This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. We've 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 done enough to where we we're just getting our guys, you know, ready without them really knowing about it. And it was really a situation where you're just repping repping plays that possibly come up. Some some of them make them, some of them don't. And I think a lot of teams do that in training camp just to kind of get the quarterbacks kind of the feel. It's really a lot of the situational work of, of things that you you think could come up. And uh, you know our defense is. Aren't exactly the same, but they're similar. We have a lot of the same similar strengths they do. So it feels like we've had, you know, we're kind of been training for this this game for a while. You know, I, I'm in a different situation than probably most of these guys because my family's not here. Um, you know, these, a lot of these guys have a lot on their plate and moving their families and, um, you know, get people coming in and your house and your cars. Uh, uh, you know, I'm kind of one of the few lucky ones that I've got a car here and that's, in a bag full of clothes, and that's kind of it. But, you know, you got a lot of guys in that locker room that are going through um, a lot of things in their head, and, you know, we, we've got to be uh, mindful of that and kind of help them any way possible. I think these guys are, are, are smart enough and kind of mentally tough enough to know, hey, when we're in the building, you know, we, we've got to put some stuff on, on the back burner. And um, I, I think the Dolphins organization does a great job of, of putting people in place to help, help these players uh, in any way possible so they can concentrate on the field. All right, and there you have it. And welcome to Finside Radio. This is MC Money. I'm joined, of course, by Houts and Sutton. And we have a lot to get to today. And we're going to be joined right away by Randy McMichael, former Dolphins player who we all know is a friend of the show. And we'll get to him in just a second. 
But as you as you heard to open up the show here, Adam Gaze and Jay Cutler talking about the hurricane prep, and this was the other day before the decision was announced to postpone the game to 11 of this season. But we, we uh, to get perspective on what it's like to be a football player and to be in this situation and have a hurricane coming and be in the midst of preparing for a game and, and then having your entire world to worry about as well, besides that, what better way to bring in a former player in Randy McMichael who dealt with this in 2005 with Hurricane Wilma. Randy, thank you for calling in. We have a busy night ahead, so we appreciate your time. How are you doing tonight? What's going on, fellas? I'm good, man. I'm good. Y'all all right? Yeah, we're good. As long as you're doing good, good. we're good. And, again, thank you for calling in. Um, so we saw earlier Jeff Darlington actually tweeted out to you, or not to you, but he, he tweeted at you and you tweeted at him. And, you know, it reminded us all of when Hurricane Wilma hit Miami and other parts of this world in the southeast, southeast down there in 2005. And Nick Saban was famously quoted back then trying to escape the hurricane, going to the facility to watch film. His wife said he was, she was going to have him arrested if he went out and did that. <laughs> now, uh, Wilma hit Miami, the Miami area around October 24th. Uh, the Dolphins played the Saints on October 30th and won 21 to six. So Randy, of course, different situation here with, with Hurricane Irma coming in really hard and really dangerous storm. Uh, well, similar situation for you as a player, and you guys did end up playing uh, that Sunday, but you as a player, as you're preparing for the week and against the opponent, and then a hurricane coming in and you got to worry about your house and your family and everything else, what's that like for you as a player? And is it true that you can really drown out all the distractions once inside the facility? Well, first of all, I mean, that was a funny time because it was crazy because I had just got blessed by the Dolphins, just got my new contract, and we just bought a new house out in, uh, out in the acres, and we lived in Weston then before we bought the house. And I just remember, first thing I was worried about when the hurricane is what's going to happen to our new house. We just bought this dream house that we've been praying for and everything our whole life, and the Dolphins blessed us to be able to afford it. And, you know, uh, my man Jeff, it was so funny because we were in the locker room. It was no lights at all, but they're in there interviewing us and everything. We didn't have any meeting room lights. So we're actually outside having our team meetings with Nick Saban. He's like, y'all come outside. We're going to have the meetings out here. The one thing about the distraction of anything is that we always hear about player distraction. I'll bring up a name, Colin Kaepernick distract. Nothing distracts players other than their families, and that's it. And when you're thinking about the fact that you got to protect their family, get them out of a situation, because I remember when Hurricane Woman came with my, my, my son Isaiah, his first birthday party. And I remember all my family came down for it and everything. And I remember we had to be like, hey, we love y'all. Well, y'all got to get out of here because we don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's hard for players because the most important thing in our world is our family. And I think the NFL did a, a great thing. I mean, I know people are complaining about, you know, it, I mean, I saw one player actually come out and talk about 16 weeks in a row, player safety. I get it. But at the same time, this is bigger than us. That's why I say I said this on my radio show up here in Atlanta on 1998 about the thing in Houston. It's bigger. This is bigger than just a game. We get played to play. We get paid to play a game. This is life or death situation. So I got to inconvenience myself for the safety of others, and so be it. So be it. Randy, you were right about the uh, players coming out 16 weeks. We're going to play a clip in a little bit. 
Jay Cutler and Jarvis Landry talking about how tough it's to be uh, going 16 weeks straight. But going back to the hurricane, you know, situation, we've seen both sides of it. We've seen the people that have been really upset that this game has been canceled this week, that it hasn't been moved to a neutral site. We've seen players come out in the media talking about they'd rather play at a neutral site. But in all reality, when, when, you, when it all comes down to it, if the Dolphins had played on Sunday, would these players, and, and you know, would they be mentally there and ready to go once you know, with blows, or would their minds be elsewhere and thinking out their family back home or family, their their houses and personal belongings? I, th- I think it just depends on the fact of are they do are their family safe? Because I know you guys remember when we had a slide in New Orleans, the fourth, fourth preseason game in the middle of a hurricane because the NFL wanted their money, and then we had to fly back in Orlando because we couldn't fly in Fort Lauderdale because the hurricane was coming. NFL's bottom line is about money. Let's let's get that right. And, yeah, of course, like I said, you're going to be affected by it because it's your family. And these are your wife. It's your wife. These are your kids. Like I said, this is your house. We were so worried about our house. I mean, these these are things that you worry about. But at the same time, yeah, 16 weeks, it sucks. It sucks that the Dolphins won't – my Dolphins won't play at home until October and all those things. And I'm sure they could have found a different venue. I know they were, there was talks about them playing up here in Atlanta. That wasn't going to happen. They're not going to open the NFL season with another team's game on their field. That, that's not going to happen. But at the same time, I think the NFL could have found some way. Why can't they play in Tampa? Why can't, I mean, it's so many different things and so many different uh, avenues that you got to go through with these things. But as a player that has been through this, it sucks. But at the same time, your family, your wife, your kids, everybody knows that daddy has got to go to work. Daddy has got to play this football game. And everything else, in a sense, is secondary to that one day. I mean, we, you remember the game we got moved to Friday with Kansas City. Uh, then the next week come around and we play uh, Pittsburgh, and it's a monsoon. You can't even see two feet in front of your face. I mean, these are the things that you got to go through when you play in South Florida around the time when it's hurricane season. Randy, thanks again for joining us tonight. I know you have some scotch and some cigars to get to this evening. Yes, I do. Uh, um, possibly some, possibly okay. some bush ice, tall boys. Um, no, 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 no. Anyway. This, is a, this, this, this is an upscale joint I'm at. So this is an upscale joint I'm at, right? So they don't have bushes. <laughs> they, they only got the good stuff. They only got the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm in an upscale joint right now. <laughs> Randy, just walk us through, you know, as tough as it is to focus on football, you know, we're going to be playing week two now, and we're Mm -hmm. going into the game fresh, not having played a game. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to have played week one. So I'm just Mm -hmm. curious, um, from a player's perspective, how do the scales tip? Does it tip towards Miami because we'll have more tape to evaluate what they're doing and kind of affect the install that happens? Or – is it tipped towards Los Angeles because they played a game, get a little bit better game condition, you know, get some of those early season kinks off? What's your What's your perspective on that? Well, it, it actually goes both ways, and I was just thinking about this earlier today as far as the game preparation and the rest and all these things with the Dolphins. Okay, so so you look at it as, well, they're fresh. They didn't play a game. But – but uh, Los Angeles, I mean, it's going to take me a long time to keep saying Los Angeles. That's why I just say Chargers. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to. They, they've had their game. They've had their warm because it usually takes 
a NFL player probably about three weeks to hit that groove, that 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 stride as far as playing over and over again. Because you, if you go back to it, you probably played thirty plays total maybe in the preseason. So you got to get your, you know, you got to get that win back in you. And so yeah, you can stake and have an advantage for Los Angeles because they played a game already. But the thing about it is, Los Angeles. The Chargers have not seen what the Dolphins are going to do this year, but the Dolphins have already seen what they're going to see. So I just think it, it, it's all about execution about that. I mean, I know a lot of people want to make something more of it. Well, they played and we didn't. But at the bottom line, when that Sunday comes out there in California, you got to execute. All right, Randy, I'm going to play you a clip with Jake Culler and Jarvis Landry. We, talked, we touched on it really briefly with the 16 weeks in a row. I'm going to play a clip. It's about a minute long, just over a minute, and then we're going to have House jump in. We're just going to talk about it there for a few minutes. We're going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening. Just one second, okay? Okay. It'd be tough. It'd be tough. Um, I mean, we'd make it through it, obviously. We'd have to. Uh, but, I mean, guys kind of need that bye week, you know, to get healthy and kind of push through the second half of the season. This is this is kind of my latest bye week I think I've ever had is, what, 11 or 12, whatever we got. But, um you know, it's not an ideal situation not to have a buy for us. Listen, it's, it's a it's a long season. Let's let's be honest about it. You know, it's a long season, and I think that this, the stretch after our bye week is probably one of the one of the toughest. If if you want to be real about it, probably the toughest in the NFL. You know, so you know that bye week can have a, give us an opportunity to kind of get some guys healthy. Um, in, in this NFL in the league, you know, you're gonna get banged up week in week out, and so for us, you know, that bye week it, it comes at an appropriate time. So for us, man, to to keep it there will be huge. Um, but, you know, I know there's unfortunate situations, and that's out of our hands, and it's up to the NFL and the teams to decide what happens. But, you know, we, we could use that bye at that time. I won't play today, you know, if, if we could, you know, if we could, you know. But, um, obviously, again, like that's up to the team, the NFL, you know, both organizations. But um, if, if it is moved and we got to play 16 weeks in a row, it's something that we got to do. We're going to embrace the, embrace the process, you know, embrace the challenge, and we're going to make it happen. Randy, out okay. here. I uh, appreciate you joining the show, and always a pleasure to talk to you. But we heard there with uh, Landry mm-hmm. and Cutler. What what does this mean to the players now that the the bye is going to come in week one and they're going to play 16 games straight? How how are they going to prepare for the season, and how do you think this impacts the 2017 Dolphins? Well, you know what's so funny is that I was talking to my wife. My wife and we were we were just joking back and forth, and. And I told her, I was like, you know what tomorrow is? And she's like, what? I said, NFL season starts tomorrow night. <laughs> That's she right. rolled her eyes because she she knows that Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We, but I made a deal with her because we'll, we'll watch TV and be me and her the rest of the day. But what I mean by that is Thursday, 8 o'clock, the ball's kicked off. That first hit, no, no. I think that the first hit you take in training camp, nobody's going to be healthy. And that 16 straight weeks, it is a bear. And I know people always talk about the bye week and all that, get people back healthy and all that. You'll never be healthy. You might get healthier. You might feel a little bit better, but nobody's going to be healthy. And I feel bad for the players because we always talk about the league as far as we're trying to protect players. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a bear. But at the same time, you got this week right here to recover and to do all those things. A week 11 bye I swear, as an older player, you love it because that you're like, okay, let me decompress, let me rest up, and all those things. But at the same time, with these, with this, this mess that they playing over in London and all that, if you ask any player off the record, they'll say they hate it because they all do going all the mm-hmm. way over there and 
all that. They hate it. They hate the travel and all that. They hate it. But you just got to grind through it. Like Jarvis said, you just got to grind through it. You really, really do because it's a bear. 16 straight weeks is just ball, ball, ball. It's a, it, it is a bear. And hopefully I, I, and I trust Adam Gates to sit there and say, you know, my players might need a rest this Wednesday. Let's take some of these reps out. And that's what it's going to come down to. What is Dirk Cutter for the, for the Buccaneers? And what is Adam Gates for the uh, Dolphins? How do they take care of their players? Because right now it's on them. Because the fact is, you got to do it. It ain't no complaining. You just got to do it. So I expect the head coaches to protect the players as far as getting them rest and getting them ready for each Sunday. All right, Randy, one more question before we let you go. Just want to point out something quick. Someone on Twitter uh, just tweeted at you and us. He said, Randy, if you're reading this, you are my boy in Madden 04. You and Todd Heap on a single back double TE sets. Devastating. <laughs> just, want to, just want to throw that out there for you. For you. Sorry, our listeners, it, it, you know, of course. Big, big fans. The crazy thing about Madden is, is like once I got drafted and I was actually on Madden, I stopped playing Madden in like '04, <laughs> and so I don't play really? anymore. Yeah, I don't play my son, <laughs> my my boys. They, I mean, they Madden, they Madden a house. And especially when I was playing, I was like, they were like, "Daddy, you that?" I'm like, I think I'm the only MD, the only tight end to ever win MVP on Madden when my boys play. They, <laughs> they just throw the ball to their daddy all day. <laughs> Whatever tank, but uh, yeah, I haven't played. Yeah, I just I don't know. That's one of the things I grew out of was video games, man. I mean, I like cigars and scotch now. I mean, yeah. I think I've grown up a little bit. <laughs> we hear you. All right, Randy. You know, every everything aside, hurricane and all that. Um, you know, this coming season, what do you expect for the Miami Dolphins? Well, the thing about it is, is that you got a player that, and I've always, I mean, I I, I like. Ryan Tannehill. I've never been sold on the fact that he can lead this franchise to where they want to be, even though he had him in a playoff hunt before he got hurt. I think Jay Cutler gives them a, a different dynamic. Now, which Jay Cutler do we get? Do we get the Jay Cutler that throws the ball all over the place and doesn't worry about it? Because people say talk about the weapons that he has in Miami. He had weapons in, in Chicago. He had B. Marshall. He had Alshon. He had Martel. He had Royal. He had weapons. But Everybody goes back to his best, his his most efficient season was with Coach Gates, and that's what I expect this year. They're going to run a train. I expect him to be one of the league leaders in rushing uh, attempts and yards because I think they want to lean on him and not make Jay have to do anything. And can the secondary, especially at the corner spot, can they hold up? And that is my only question with the Dolphins. All right, and that is Randy McMichael, former player and great friend of the show. Randy, we thank you for coming on tonight. Such short notice, and we hope you have a great evening. Enjoy everything that is happening tonight with you and your friends. Oh, no problem, fellas. And like once again, my prayers and our, my family's prayers and everybody, we're wishing everybody down in South Florida just blessings and everything. Hey, you guys know you need me. I'm there, and I appreciate y'all having me on again. Y'all take care. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks, All right, Randy. Thank you. All right, awesome. Randy McMichael, great, great friend of the show. I tweeted him out today. Uh, I sent him a message on Twitter earlier today around, uh, I think it was like 1230 or so, once I saw him and Darlington going back and forth and was reminded of Hurricane Wilma when, in 2005, the Dolphins had to deal with that. You know, I, I messaged him, and he said originally he was going out tonight, as you heard, with his buddies, you know, for his birthday party. Uh, not his, but one of his buddies' birthday parties. And, and But then, you know, literally 830, he got back to me and said, oh, my bad, you know, I, I – 
come on tonight if we can do it nine o'clock. So Randy, huge, huge friend of the show, really great to us, never hesitates to come on and talk Dolphins football. Let's go back now to the hurricane. We're gonna we're supposed to sit here tonight. We were supposed to talk to um, Trevor Sikama at Tampa Bay Trey. He is a uh, beat reporter for the Buccaneers for Pewter Report, and he was scheduled to come on the show tonight to talk about Week One: Dolphins versus Bucks at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. And then Mother Nature has different plans for us, so we'll bring Trevor on Week Eleven when the Dolphins play uh, the Buccaneers. But I feel like this show is kind of not eh, not like, you know, it is what it is, but more so, you know, this anticipation of the NFL season starting, and then we get that there's going to be no Dolphins football on Sunday. And this is where we lead into kind of what Randy McMichael was alluding to, and I want to have a discussion about this, because we've seen it all on Twitter the past few days, and we've seen every single side of this, from beat reporters, from fans, from trolls and from every everywhere else some are saying that with the hurricane like this bearing down football does not matter others are saying football takes the mind away from it others are saying why would you even care about football when when this life-threatening storm is coming through and others say get the game in because player safety right wins and losses right get get this game in at a neutral site bring the whole family with you bring everyone and get going here and my opinions have been mixed, and they've changed and evolved over the past few days and hours. And how it's been, and I want to kind of, you know, get your feeling on it. We heard what Randy said. He said it's a life and death situation, right? The hurricane. He said they're getting paid to play a game. But I think what makes it confusing for us fans who have not played in the NFL is when you get guys like the Dolphins had come out the other day and said they'd rather play at a neutral site. So we read that and we're saying, well, why don't they play the neutral site then? But, but I don't know. I don't know where to lay on this line and I don't know what side to stand on. How, what do you think, you know, about this whole situation? All right. For me, I just want to say, I think we can all agree thoughts and prayers with those of our friends. I mean, we're on Twitter. We have friends and followers and it's almost like a little family there. So I just hope that all of them stay safe. And I mean, that's ultimately what this is all about is just their safety. But for me, I mean, we wait all these months for football season to come. We wait through preseason. I know I think four games is a little much. We sit there and we wait, and then the season's finally about to get here. And it just sucks to not have football. But then just like Randy said and just like others have said, I mean, what it ultimately comes down to is those families and their safety. And, I mean, this this is this sucks. This is a tragedy, and you just got to hope that things get better. But for me, as far as I try to put that fandom aside and try to realize, that it's much more than a football game. And sure, it could have been played at a neutral site. And uh, yeah, guys like Byron Maxwell comes out and says that he wants that bye week. And you just think, uh, I mean, when was the last time Byron Maxwell finished a 16-game season? So for him to need a bye week, I mean, that guy gets a bye week throughout the season enough with his injuries. So I don't think the bye week is the end of the world. I think that 16 games is going to be brutal. But for me, the safety of the families and friends down there in South Florida, that's what's ultimately the most important. Alex, I want to echo your sentiments and just that uh, we want to make sure all of our South Florida, South Florida family is safe. Um, I also want to give a congratulations to MC Money for the birth of his child, Daniel Zonka Kanata. <laughs> oh, man, I tried. I tried to get that name in there, but my wife was having none of it. 
it's unfortunate because we could have called him DC Money. But um, yeah, no. Just to, just to get back to the seriousness of the issue, uh, obviously safety is everything, and that takes precedence over everything. So if that was the catalyst for this this, this decision, then I agree with it. Um, you also have to look at the the money side of things in terms of the Dolphins have already having a game in Europe and, um, you know, only having six home games, that's kind of a rough thing as a business owner. Um, but I'm froze. You are frozen. Uh, I'm you, froze. You yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, such a weird situation, right? Um, it, there's really no words to explain it because I'm in Connecticut. You're in Ohio. House is in Pennsylvania. And we're not experiencing any of this, right? Where we're just sitting here. I mean, it was raining today in Connecticut. It was a little cold. But it was just a normal day. And, and there was just a little rain. I'm not boarding up my house. I'm not going to the store to get water. I'm not worried about, not worried about evacuating my home. I'm not worried about any of that. And, and none of us are. And half of the Twitter world isn't either. So it's a really weird situation right. for exactly. us to you know, talk about and to give that perspective because we're not living it. So, you know, we, we try to have that conversation here about it, but at the end of the day, it's really not our place to say what's right and what's wrong. And it, and it's going to be right and it's going to be wrong for everyone out there. And, and everyone's going to have a right and everyone's going to have their own wrong. And this is a situation where no one's going to agree on anything. And, and this decision is not going to make anyone happy and it hasn't made anyone happy. And well, let, let me say this, MC Money. Let me say this: that there is the potential for a really powerful season this year. In terms of, we've seen teams respond to adversity in any number of ways. But we've seen teams really come together and take this adversity, and you know, the the community feeds off the team, the team feeds off the adversity, and we end up building something really special like New Orleans did when Katrina hit. So it's, there's all sorts of obstacles in our way uh, with the injuries and now Hurricane Irma getting ready to possibly come through Florida. We're going to see what this team's made of. I mean, we're going to see what the soulless team is and what kind of coach Adam Gase is. And hopefully we respond to this adversity. You know, I just have a feeling that, you know, South Florida's going to want to have some inspiration through some of these times coming through. And I'm, I'm hoping that the Dolphins can offer some kind of, of, you know, breath of relief from all the stress that might happen. Yeah. Howitz, any last thoughts on this whole hurricane situation before we start moving on to week two? No, nah, man. Thoughts and prayers and ready for Dolphins football next week. Yep, absolutely. Thoughts and prayers to everyone out in Florida. I know we have our own Twitter direct message with a bunch of people down in Florida, and they're getting ready, and it's going dark down in South Florida for the next few days, and hopefully they come out of it safe safe and well. Something alluded to me having a kid this past weekend, and I certainly did. I have a baby boy named Ian. Ian Kanata. And, uh, yeah, 8 pounds, 9 ounces, 21 inches long, and – he is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, class of 2038. <laughs> so keep your eyes out for that quarterback. The NFL scouting combine, he is going to be an absolute beast 
in, in those quarterback drills, and, you know, he's going to make a lot of Dolphins fans proud when he puts that uniform on in about 22 years or so. But, yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's, you know, this is our second kid. We have a three-year-old daughter, and it's, it's a little easier the second time around. I, I must admit it's a little easier. It took me a little, a little bit to get back in the routine of not getting any sleep and figuring out when to get sleep. And, you know, I think I've gotten that down pretty much. And luckily my wife wakes up in the middle of the night and I just sleep through it all the time. But, you know, that's, I guess, part of the deal being the guy, right? You kind of just go with the flow there, but no, everything has been good. Everything is great. And he's going to watch football with me on Sunday. He won't be watching the Dolphins, but listen, we're going to make the best of it. and We're going to watch some football. All right. So, you know, so what do we talk about? We could talk about week two, right? But then what are we going to talk about next week? So I just want to kind of go through the motions here in terms of talking about the cornerback situation, talking about Jay Cutler, talking about the 53-man roster. I have a bunch of clips from press conferences we're going to play, we're going to discuss. Uh, but, but remember this. The Dolphins will reconvene for practice next week. They'll prepare for the L.A. Chargers. They'll fly out to L.A. on Thursday, I believe, of next week. They'll get ready for the game, and it will be business as usual. They'll have this week to freshen up from camp. They have the fourth preseason game to really freshen up from camp in terms of the starters go, and, and then it's all systems go. The NFL, the entire NFL will be able to shake off the rust in week one. The Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will have to shake off the rust in week two. So that's a little bit of a disadvantage, but you know I think we all have ultimate confidence in Adam Gase and ultimate confidence in the coaching staff in terms of how they can prepare these guys. So the, the final cuts were made, and, and in preparing these guys for the for regular season, they had to get down to 53. And, and there's a few undrafted rookies on the 53-man roster. And here's what Adam Gates had to say. Hey, it says that our scouting department did a really good job because um, when you get to that point where you're you know, recruiting guys, and it wasn't a really a – I don't remember being in a stressful situation when we went through the undrafted process. I feel like guys did a great job of, you know, they built a lot of relationships over time with whether it be coaching staffs or, you know, in the draft process of us, whether it be bringing guys in or, you know, going on, you know, to a campus and, you know, reaching out to certain guys. And, you know, they did a good job of targeting guys and then finding the guys that fit our, our culture and our program. and found guys that are competitors and it really it worked out I mean all the guys that, that made it have been impressive and they, I think you guys have seen it yourself where you've noticed noticed some of the guys that weren't drafted all right so the Dolphins getting to 53 and a few surprises in terms of who they cut and I think the two biggest surprises were on special teams Dolphins cutting Matt Dar, beloved punter here in Miami because the Dolphins punt so damn much he became basically the team MVP when Joel Philbin was there. And then another surprise, Cody Parkey, the, the kicker from Cleveland. And, and that's, and on the surface, that's a surprise because Andrew Franks, listen, let's be honest here. If it wasn't for Andrew Franks, I don't think the Dolphins make the playoffs last year. He comes out in Buffalo in cold weather with, with the clock running, with no timeouts left, rushing to the snap. Dude boots it in just over the goalpost. Dolphins win the game or send it into overtime to then win the game. And from there, I think they lost, you know, the next game against the Patriots. But had that field goal not been made, you know, that would have put a real damper on the Dolphins' playoff chances. So Andrew Franks, the Colt hero here in Miami, and we'll never forget that kick. That was an amazing kick. 
And what made it even better was because it was against Buffalo. But he was cut for Cody Parkey. And that's a surprise on the surface because remember Cody Parkey, if it wasn't for Cody Parkey, the Dolphins would have lost week one against the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns wouldn't have gone the entire season uh, uh, struggling to win a football game. But after that game, Cody Parkey only missed two more the rest of the season. And he was very good, very efficient. So when you look at Cody Parkey versus Andrew Franks, and I know Sutton, you're the kicker guru on the show. (laughs) What do you you see in terms of how the Dolphins came to this decision and and why they made the decision the way they did? And just think about Andrew Franks and how many near misses he's had, how many misses he has had, and how many blocks he's had and and, and all that with the lake power and all that. So, 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 and what's your take on it? You just look at Cody Parkey as having more reliable stats over time. He has a better field goal percentage and a better PAT percentage since the uh, PAT was moved back. So you have to look at that. And Cody Parkey's also been five of five 50-yard field goals or more. So I was kind of surprised to see that myself just because I had the same initial reaction as other Dolphins fans, like the dude that missed three field goals against us. But when you look a little bit deeper, that was a rare game for him. And he kicked better after that uh, last year. And the Dolphins seem to be you know, sold with his consistency. And Andrew Franks, um, like you said, MC Money, what, a, what an amazing kick. I, don't, I can't think of any worse conditions that you can try to no. attempt a clutch no. kick like that. I mean, that was just insane that he made that kick and uh just thank him for making that 2016 what it was because if it wasn't for that kick you know it could have been a drastically different season and we're yeah. talking drastically different narratives now so um hat tip to andrew franks for making that kick but you have to have faith in this uh, front office that they made the right decision at kicker and that that's gonna you know bring the best results for us and Matt Hack, the punter, left-handed, left-handed, not left-handed. He probably is left-handed, but left-footed punter as well. <laughs> and, and Houts, you are the punter guru on Finsider Radio. So for you, when Absolutely. you see a left-hand, left, left-footed punter, what does that mean to you? Does that have any effect on the returner and what that can do to the ball? <laughs> You're kidding me, right? Um, well, I, I do study <laughs> punts, and I, I do get my stopwatch out to record hang time, so who better to ask than me, but. I mean, for me, I like Matt Dar. I always thought Dar Dar Banks was a pretty cool. Uh, I have a kickers and coaches league that I like to use that in, but I, I really have no idea if a left-handed or, as you put, a left-footed punter, if that has any effect on the return returner. I'm going to say it might. Maybe the way the ball comes off the foot, but I mean, ultimately, both these decisions. I mean, we hope the Dolphins have a plan. I I, I agree with both of you. I think Frank's what he did for us last season was huge. I always thought Matt Dar was a decent punter for as much as. I studied punters throughout my life. I think he was one of the better ones. So both, <laughs> both, both moves, I'm not quite sure how they'll end up, but you got to trust that Adam Gase and Dolphins have a plan. Yeah, and, and you're right. The the punt does come off the foot a little differently, so I'm do, I am glad you study punts, you know, the way you say you do because <laughs> – The way it rotates, <laughs> I, I think. It, the way it rotates, yeah. And Bill Belichick is a big fan of left-footed punters, and so is Chip Kelly. They've always tried to bring left-footed punters in practice just to give it a different spin to get these guys prepared for it. Um, 
the long correlation, you know, the difference isn't huge where you're going to win a game maybe or, you know, have a huge impact on the season. But it's going to play the mental game in terms of the punt return and the punt coverage and the Dolphins, you know, having a real good chance to flip the field a little more because the punt returners focusing a bit more on the rotation of the ball and doesn't get that running jump that they would on a right-footed punter. All right, other surprises on the 53-man roster. Not a ton. Um, the practice squad, the preseason Harry Damari Shrinkfellow was cut, signed by the Jets, released uh, earlier today by the Jets. We'll see if he clears waivers and if the Dolphins bring him back. Um, you know, besides that, I can't think of anything, any, any surprises there. A few draft picks got cut from the past. But real, you know, lower round guys, not, no one to be surprised with. But no, I think it's I think it's a good roster. I think once TJ McDonald gets back in the secondary, I think that's going to boost things up. Once Ted Larson gets back, and I know this was a question on the live thread, once Ted Larson gets back after eight games, that should provide a spark to the offensive line, assuming it needs it. Let's hope Pouncey stays healthy. Anthony Steen slotted in as the left guard, starting left guard right now. Their offensive line is going to be Tunsil, Steen, Pouncey, Bushrod, and James. James has improved a ton. Bushrod is is solid, you know, mostly consistent. Pouncey is an absolute beast when he's healthy. Let's hope he stays healthy, as I just said. Steen is solid. You know, he's a good fill-in. He's going to struggle here and there. Tunsil, he's a good player. He struggled a little bit in preseason, but I think once the lights come on next week and week two, he's going to really turn things around and just step it up a bit. The guy I'm most impressed with as a backup is Eric Smith. I thought he did a real good job in preseason, and I think if any of these guys struggle, I think Eric Smith is versatile enough to play any position on the offensive line. And especially the interior spots and especially the right tackle where he's backing up Juwan James. On the defensive side of the ball, we'll see if Gotchalk starts over Phillips. That has not been quite announced yet. But then you got in the middle there, you got uh, Mike Hole, you got Kiko Alonso on the weak side, Lawrence Timmons on the strong side. You got Ray Mualaga coming in and hopefully gets into shape enough to play on the rundowns because that will be a huge boost. At the cornerback position, you got Cordria Tankersley. And let's listen to what Adam Gase had to say about Cordria Tankersley because Adam Gase is in love with Tankersley. Listen That's in. what we were expecting when we drafted him. I think that you play that position, sometimes that learning curve, you, you, you're always hoping for acceleration and understanding that every guy you go through, like go against is really, they're all fast, they're all physical, they all are quick. And it can be a little change of pace for you when you're coming out of college where you may see some guys on some teams that aren't, you know, upper-tier type players at that level where in this league, it's really kind of no matter who you go against, it's, it's not an easy matchup. They're always tough matchups. And you got to bring your A game every day. And with his, you know, his big thing is size and, and speed and, you know, being physical at the line of scrimmage and, you know, it's always going to be when you get those smaller, quicker guys out on him. You know, his game plan going into it. How are you going to handle that? What, what, what are the little things you're going to work on to make sure that you, you know, take that advantage back or using that? And I think it's been a good learning process for him because he's had to go through, go against so many different body types. You know, when when you got a guy like, one day you go against Devontae, then you go against Jakeem, and then Carew, and then Kenny. I mean, it's just every day is a different battle for him. When you see a guy like that be able to drive on a slant pick the ball off, you know, what, what type of instinct and, you know, footwork does it take to be able to, to do that? Well, it's just that, it's that ability to, to stick your foot in the ground and then accelerate and, and be right on it, you know, it's, 
it's all good until that guy runs a double move and you're nowhere to be found. And that's a that's part of the learning process. That's why when you see the really really good ones, they seem to not get beat on those type of plays. They just kind of feel what the receiver's doing. They can tell whether it be by body language, the way he comes off the ball, if something's different like that. It's that's why when you find those special corners, it's it's hard to you know you want to get as many as you can. There's just not a lot of a lot of guys like that. So there you have it, Adam Gates talking about Cordria Tankersley, and you could just tell by the way he talks about him. And this was in a press conference from uh, yesterday, September 5th, and it was funny because as I'm reading the transcript here and, and then listening to the audio as well, he was Adam Gates was asked, let's see, about 12, 15 questions, possibly even 20 questions about the hurricane, and they were real short answers, Bill Belichick-esque. And then he gets that first football question. And you could just see that that clip was a minute and 58 seconds long. And that was over two questions. But Adam Gase took about two minutes to answer the first 20 questions, two minutes to answer those two questions. So Adam Gase is all business, all football there. But, you know, him talking about Tankersley. And, yes, Tankersley is young. Tankersley is a rookie. Tankersley is going to struggle a bit. But what Adam Gase likes with Tankersley is his size and being physical at the line of scrimmage. And we know that's a staple of what Adam Gates wants to do on defense. Now, Tankersley has to adjust when the small guys get on there and so forth. And Tankersley going, is going to take you know, part of the season to keep developing, keep watching, and then slowly move in. But the real question here, and let's just take a step away from Tankersley for just a second, because I brought in Tankersley for the cornerback talk, because Byron Maxwell might lose his starting gig to Alteron Werner. And how when Alteron Werner was brought in at this offseason, nobody really expected him to unseat Maxwell. Now, with just a few days, what was supposed to be before the first game, Adam Gates had said that they didn't know who was going to be the starting cornerback opposite Xavier Howard. Now they have an extra week to prepare for it. But what kind of message does that send? I mean, what does that say about either A, Byron Maxwell, or B, what does that say about Alteron Werner? that Maxwell might lose his job after being one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL for the second half of the 2016 season. I think what it all comes down to, and I think we heard a lot this offseason, is just the way Adam Gates carries his football team and how it's one of those every day you're battling and let the best man win. And I think we saw the way Byron Maxwell played in some games last year. He looked like one of, an all-pro corner. And then there were times where you see that playoff game where uh, there were rumblings that maybe he could have played and who knows what happened there. But, I mean, for me, Byron – Byron Maxwell, he's a decent corner, but there's always been those injuries. So, I mean, Werner came in. We thought he might be competition at the the nickel spot. Uh, he ended up looking pretty good on the outside. And like you said, he's going to battle Maxwell for that that spot opposite of Xavier Howard. So, I mean, there's huge question marks at corner. Uh, a lot of it relies on whether or not they can stay healthy. But, I mean, ultimately, I think it says a lot about what Werner's done since he got to Miami and just how Adam Gase carries his football team and, and how every week uh, a new player could step up. And if, if you're not out there battling each and every day, which I'm not entirely sure Maxwell does, maybe maybe that spot might get lost to someone like Werner. So uh, I think it mostly comes down to Adam Gates, but I'm excited to see what Werner can do opposite of Howard. Yeah, and, and you know that, I think that's a bigger picture. Like you said, what Adam Gates is the culture he's trying to build in Miami. I was told when they were uh, looking at bringing in Joe Hayden, I was told the Dolphins were going to move on from Byron Maxwell had they been able to uh, land Joe Hayden. And so that was kind of interesting to me because that was really the first inkling of when I was getting it, that there was some unrest there. But I know there was unrest last season, and I can't talk much about it. I got slapped on the wrist when I tweeted something the other day. Um, 
but I can't say much about anything about last season, but just know there were some issues there and they've kind of carried over into this preseason. So it would not surprise me at all if Werner is made the starter, if Maxwell spends time on the bench as he did last year until, you know, the guys got hurt and he had to come back in the game and then played better. But then again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tankersley slowly move in the rotation as well and kind of spell these guys a bit, especially now that they're playing 16 weeks in a row. So, and I know you've watched a lot of Tankersley tape, him coming out of college, uh, him after the draft, him with some GI, uh, GIFs that you put out there. Uh, what have you seen from Tankersley? And do you think he can be a dominant cornerback for the Dolphins for years to come? He's got the size, speed, length, fetish that this Dolphins front office has for sorting cornerbacks. And you can go look at Xavier Howard and Tony Lippett, and they are separated by about like five pounds and two inches. So they certainly have a thing for for – uh, the prototype in terms of size. But when you look at the tape, it's feast for famine for me. Um, made some incredible plays, and he does make plays, and I think that's something that you have to kind of value more as a secondary because of the rules and the way that they are uh, stacked against them. And so I think uh, the secondary members that can pick off passes like he was able to in college – you take risks on those players. He did have quite a few pass interference calls and holding calls, but in the NFL, it's a little bit more nuanced in terms of what you can get away with. So it, that reputation won't necessarily precede him into his professional career. So I think he's going to be able to play physically and use his body Um but I think it's going to be everything in between the ears that's going to be the difference for him. Is is he going to pick up on the nuances of the position quickly, or is he going to have a steep learning curve? And that's going to be up to that young man. But, I mean, we're pretty much just saying that Byron Maxwell might be the fourth cornerback for this team, for all we know. <laughs> if Werner ends up starting, then who's to say Tankersley doesn't leapfrog Maxwell and start playing – the third cornerback spot. So we really don't know how this whole Maxwell thing is going to shake out, but if anybody had any reservation before the season, whether Byron Maxwell's contract was going to be off our books next year, I think there's a lot more information to say that, yeah, he's not going to be on the books next year. Absolutely. And we'll have to see how that cornerback situation shakes out, but it's very interesting that Maxwell is in the danger that he is in. And, uh, we all know he's out after this season anyway. His contract is no dead money next year if they cut him and they walk away from him. Uh, so he is basically as good as gone, if not sooner than that. We'll have to see how it all shakes out. All right, let's take a little break here and go into our phone lines. Welcome to Finsider Radio. Who are you and what do you want to talk about? This is Dolphin Fan for Life. I had a feeling it was you, Christoph. How are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good. Good. What's up? up for hurricane, dude? Oh, um, I will. Not really worried. I've lived through three of them already, so. Nothing. Nothing worries Kristoff. Kristoff yeah. is Chuck Norris. Um, I have two questions actually, um, and I'll make them very quickly. Um, my first question is regarding the suspension of uh, McDonald. Um, we were scheduled to play this week, which would have counted as one game towards a, towards a suspension. Does that mean we have to wait till week nine now? 
for him to come back or that's that's my understanding is that it's the first eight games of the season no matter which eight games come first and so it looks like what's happening is now TJ McDonald is going to miss the week nine contest against the Oakland Raiders but in turn will be able to play with TJ McDonald against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers week 11 that's my understanding correct me if I'm wrong in so many no, I think your understanding is absolutely correct. It's eight games. It's not eight weeks. So, uh, yeah, you're right. He will uh, – we'll have to see when that – that will be an interesting thing when that happens because we can say that the Raiders, they need more help against the Raiders with Amari Cooper and, uh, you know, all those guys out there. But then by week 11, the Buccaneers might be firing on all cylinders now with Jameis Winston, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans. By that time, O.J. Howard might be roaring and ready to go. I mean, that's one of the great things. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. this in just a few minutes. But let Christoph finish his other question. Go ahead, Christoph. Um, my other question is the team had some success last year um, between the drafting of players and the basic position switches, um, you know, moving uh, – moving – uh, what's his name, to cornerback. Um, do you see anything like that possibly being something the Dolphins try and at what positions have you heard? Like Sorry. what position switches um, have you heard about that the Dolphins might try to make up for some of the loss of players? Nah, I haven't heard anything in terms of position switches. Uh, you know, the only thing that I can think of is, you know, we have Frank Bush as a linebacker coach this year. and He was the one that was able to bring Mark Barron into one of the first linebacker safety hybrids. So, if anything, I'm just um, excited to see what he does with Rashad Jones, T.J. McDonald, when he gets back but uh, kind of cultivating that piece of the defense. I think that's going to be exciting. All right, Christoph, thank you for calling Finsider Radio. Enjoy your night. Please stay safe with the hurricane coming in. All right, let's jump back now. Let's go over to the live thread. Sutton House, what do we have brewing in there? House, what do we have? Uh, The first question is from Alpha 6. How does Miami's offensive line stack up? Uh, I'm not really sure what he means by that, whether it's against the Chargers next week or – if you refer to against the Buccaneers, for me, I think the offensive line heading into this year is it's going to be a question mark. I mean, you got a guy like Pouncey when healthy, he's one of the better uh, centers in the league, and then we got some question marks at guard. Bushrod, like you said, he's suitable, but could go either way. So for me, I think the offensive line, I think it's slightly above average, and I think ultimately, I know I heard Randy McMichael he said that cornerback was a pretty big question mark for the Dolphins, and kind of what the season would uh, come down to, for me, it might be that offensive line because if you can't protect Cutler and you can't run the football with J.H.I., this Dolphins team could be dead in the water. Um, so, for me, I think it's got those positions. you got Pouncey, you got Tunsil, uh, Jawan James is suitable, but you got two of those guys, I would say, are upper echelon players at their position. Uh, I think Tunsil is going to be great. Pouncey when healthy is great, but then it's those guard positions that are the big question mark. So, for me, I think it'll stack up against some of those defenses throughout the league, but uh, maybe if we were playing Tampa this week, I think they would have gave us nightmares because Gerald McCoy and the rest of that defensive line, that's, that's a scary unit. All right, Simon, what else we have there? 
We have 39 as number one. He asked question about Ted Larson. Does he come back after week eight or after our eighth game? That's a great question. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if it follows the same path as TJ McDonald where he'd be out eligible to come back after week nine now that it's, you know, it'll be the first eight games or because it's, you know, it's the, and we're talking about the injured reserve designated to come back tag. And when are these players allowed to come back? Cause it's based on health. So if you can come back after week eight, or if you had a bye within those first eight weeks, are you allowed to come back? My guess is the latter that you're able to come back after week eight, despite the fact it wasn't eight games because other teams have bye weeks earlier than week eight. So I would think that's how it plays out, but I can't say for sure. Do you guys know? Uh, I think that he is. Yes. There's a possibility that he does. I'm not quite exactly sure on the definite of that, but I think you're right along there with the right uh, guideline. Because I, I think it's, and I don't think it's games when it, when it comes with the uh, IR. I think it's weeks. I'm not an injured reserve guru like Christoph is. We, too bad we don't have him on the line anymore. <laughs> we could have brought him back on. Uh, but but I, I think it's weeks. I do think it's weeks because, yeah, it's weeks. Because even if there's a bye week, that still counts with the player's uh, injury thing. So so it is weeks. Yeah, so he should be able to come back. I'm thinking that the logic seems sound there, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, no, that is correct. All right, I don't see anything else in the live thread. Am I missing something there with the question? No, severe storm, man. He brought up a good point. Uh, the same thing yes, happened we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. So don't jump the Never shark there. Just kidding, yeah, don't, jump, don't jump the shark. All right, so we have a few more things to talk about here. We have no questions on Twitter. All of our Twitter uh, people are out preparing for the hurricane coming in. So, so we, have a, we have a few more clips. And then a few more interesting things. One interesting thing is this. Jay Cutler, man, right? The dude is a folk legend already in Miami on the Twitter streets. Everyone loves him. I love him. House loves him. Sutton loves him. My wife loves him. She doesn't know who he is, but she loves him. I'm saying she loves him. My kid loves him. Both my kids love him. (laughs) We're going to get some Jay Cutler jerseys. But you know what, guys? The players love him, too. Listen to what Jarvis Landry You know, said and it's allowing us to develop a chemistry that um, is going to allow us to do some special things um, this season. I mean, I mean, when you have somebody like Jay back there, man, it's honestly, man, there's not a matchup on the field that, you know, he's not willing to take, you know, especially with uh, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, uh, Julius Thomas, even when the backs come out of the backfield, you know, to have an opportunity to, you know, really pick where he want, wants to throw the ball and uh, trusting that we make plays and he's going to put it in the right spot for us to have an opportunity to do that. So, you know, having a guy like Jay, even to extend plays, you know, it's going to be big for us. You know what, man, Jay, Jay, Jay is laid back, man. Jay is laid back, you know, uh, um, you think he he'll be a bit of a talker, you know, but uh, he, he's laid back and you know he's here he's here to win, you know, and I think that that's his biggest thing and you can see that the way that he handles himself in the building and again the way that he communicates with, with his teammates, you know, and with the coaching staff to make sure that we don't want to court. And unfortunately, the Dolphins cut into Landry's press conference a little late, uh, but before uh, the clip started, he had said uh, that Jay Cutler's a stud, and he repeated himself and said he was a stud twice. Uh, Landry said that Jay threw a couple post balls in that practice yesterday. They got the team fired up a lot. 
And Landry says, just the way he has handled himself around the building, just the way he has come in here and communicated with us so well from the O-line to the receivers to the running backs, it's really trickling down through the team. It's allowing us to develop chemistry that is going to allow us to do special things this season. Guys, am I reading too much into this? Does it sound like the Dolphins receivers really love Jay Cutler? I mean, when did they ever come out and say this kind of stuff and gush openly about Ryan Tannehill? Am I starting a controversy here? No, you're not starting a controversy here. I think we... I think you are. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe he is just a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think considering the circumstances, Jay Cutler was the best uh, possible outcome for us just because... And and we didn't know it at the time, but we're going to face a lot of adversity. And that's been a common theme in our podcast so far is just the adversity this team is going to face, you know, from an existential standpoint with their families, from a professional standpoint with their football team this year, you know, zeros on paychecks are in the balance right here and want to see if we can build something special here. So it's so many layers uh, to what's going on with this team right now. You just hope that going into week two uh, that this team can somehow rise out of the ashes right now and just channel all this and put their best foot forward. And uh, let's just keep our fingers crossed for everybody. Ouch, am I starting controversy? You said I am. Uh, Yeah, I was just trying to, you know, throw a monkey wrench in your in your whole situation I, I i'm not really sure that you're, you're really starting that debate but i think it is a little telling because you got a guy like dan who's been here and you hear the receivers say good things about him but in the time that cutler was here i mean it just kind of seems like it's, there's a different aura around the team i mean I, I know given the situation this is best case scenario and there was really no other option the dolphins had if they wanted to have a successful 2017 season but i mean it seems like all, all the myths and that we hear about jay cutler uh, his attitude issues, I mean, I don't think that any of us have seen that. I don't think that any of us have heard anything about that, whether it be at training camp or practice or during interviews. So I think uh, I think it says a lot about Adam Gates. I think the relationship they have is huge. And, I mean, the fact that these receivers just love him, I mean, I think I've, we've heard several Dolphins teammates, whether it be the receivers or offensive line, come out and say about that repertoire that the two have between uh, Cutler and Parker. So, I mean, uh, it seems like there's something going on down there in South Florida, and I think that the way the Jay Culler's been handling himself, I think this team it has that feeling of uh, when Pennington came in for that one season where we ran the Wildcat and the Dolphins won the AFC East up there in Jersey. So, I mean, I, I still have my hopes pretty high, but given the situations that we the Dolphins have seemed to over, have to overcome so early so far this year, I mean, it's going to be hard. But uh, I'm interested to see how it, how it plays forward. All right. Yeah, you're right. There is something special. And Jay Cutler is special. And Jay Cutler is going to lead the Dolphins to the Super Bowl. And he's going to be the league MVP, comeback player of the year, all in one. And he's going to sign a three-year extension and turn his career around like Carson Palmer has done in Arizona. <laughs> and and that's what that while doing to be. It. All right. And, and speaking of, you know, turning things around, the Miami Dolphins need to turn things around this season in terms of dealing with this hurricane, going to L.A. Uh, next week. Then flying back to Miami, then going up to New York to play the Jets, then flying to London, then coming back to Miami to play the Titans, then going to Atlanta, then coming back to play the Jets, then going to Baltimore, then playing the Raiders, then going to Carolina, then playing the Buccaneers. 
The Dolphins play the Raiders on November 5th, Sunday night football. They have a week and a day because then they play the Panthers on November 13th in Carolina. Then they got to come back to Miami and play the Buccaneers. So on a short week. The Buccaneers, on the flip side, um, don't have as brutal of a schedule as the Miami Dolphins do. November 5th, they play the Saints in New Orleans. November 12th, a week off, they play at home versus the Jets. November 19th, they play at Miami. So if, if you're really looking at things to figure out in terms of, you know, disadvantages, advantages, that would be it. The Thursday night game, you could say that's my week because you have that extra few days. That's going to come after the October 26th game against the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, they're playing in Baltimore. So they have to fly home and then get back late and then, and then everything else. But this has happened before, and this happened in the 1992 season. The Dolphins were hit. Not the Dolphins. The state of Florida was devastated by hurricane injuries. And the Dolphins were supposed to play its 1992 home opener on September 6th against the New England Patriots. That game was postponed until October 18th because police and emergency resources were still too thin to the relief effort to expend them on a football game. And because, as Don Shula stated, it was the right thing to do. Here's where it gets kind of eerie. They then played uh, the Los Angeles Rams. So while they're not playing the Rams in week two, they're playing a Los Angeles team. And guess what, guys? That 1992 season, they finished 11-5 and and made it to the AFC Championship game. Now, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Can it happen again? Of course, why not? I've been preaching this whole um, Disney movie story this whole podcast, so of course I believe that it can happen. Um, kind of going back to the quarterback thing just for a tad, you know, Jay Cutler just does some different things than Ryan Tannehill. So I think, you know, he can bring a a different wrinkle out of this offense that might actually benefit it. Um, and so we'll, 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 we'll see what happens, especially with play action and, you know, Adam Gase. And I think everybody kind of knows that, Jay Jai is going to be a huge component to this. So being able to uh, get that play action game going down the field to Devontae Parker, and I'm blessed to say that I have Devontae Parker on my fantasy team this year because I think this is the year that he breaks out. And if this offense can keep us in games and this defense can be opportunistic, there's no reason to think that we can't make some noise this year because – in my heart of hearts, I believe that games are won with turnovers, and that's the kind of uh, the the yin and the yang with Jay Cutler is he can make some incredible touchdowns, but then he can have some boneheaded interceptions and turnovers. And so what, what we have to see is a Jay Cutler that can take care of the ball and move this ball, um, move the offense rather, down the field. So if we can find a happy balance there, then yes, absolutely, we can make some noise this year. But it's going to take a hell of an effort out of every single person in that locker room. And to get a good idea of 
what lessons Adam Gaze learned from last year going into this year and how he might approach this season. Let's hear what Beginning of the year last year, what, what really put us in a hole a little bit was we, miss, we mis-executed a few, few things early that were critical plays in the game and in some of the games we, we lost. We, we, we did not play well in the New England game at all. The Seattle game, I thought the effort, the energy, we, just, we hadn't done it enough together. You know, we were little tiny details that I feel confident about this year that we, that we would do. At least we, that puts us in a position to make plays. Last year, we kind of we took away from that. And, you know, a couple of those games, we just didn't play very good. You know, we didn't coach good enough. We didn't play well enough. You know, that, that, that's probably real, the reason for a few of those games early. You know, it was the longer we were together and we all started to kind of get a feel for each other, I felt, you know, we, we started clicking there. And we, we had a really good feel of how we did it as co- coaching staff, the players. We got a good feel of how they wanted to, how, what we could do to use their strengths. And then they really took to it and, and took off with it. And, you know, that's, that's really what you're looking for. If, if you can, you know, coming out of training camp, our confidence level should be higher than it was last year because we've done it together for a longer period of time. There's a lot of familiar faces in that room. You know, you look up, and the only two new guys that you really see outside the rookies are Anthony and Julius. One of them's already been in the offense. So you feel, you know, you're ready to play a game. So this is what I was talking about, and you were kind of alluding to, too, with Sutton, is that Gase is confident. We have confidence in Gase. He knows his roster. He knows his players now. He knows exactly what he needs to do, and there's not a lot of turnover from this season to last season. How do you see – I mean, I know we're at a disadvantage here. Or I say we. We're just fans. I know the Dolphins are at a disadvantage here with the schedule they've been dealt during the preseason thus far and during training camp. But for you, I mean, for all of us, we have to have that ultimate confidence in Gase, do we not? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the best head coach the Miami Dolphins have had in decades. I think this is the best thing to happen to this team. We touched on earlier about the way he's handling himself down there and just the the kind of vibe the team's given off. I've heard uh, talked about almost like a college football team down there, and he just he just seems to to bring the best out of players. So for me, I think uh, there's no reason not to trust Adam Gase. Uh, the pessimist and that laugh. Uh, half empty in me, it kind of feels like this is just doom and gloom and that, I mean, the season started all these injuries, McMillan, uh, Tannehill, now this hurricane, I, I just feel like maybe we are doomed. But, I mean, the last time this team was in the AFC Championship game, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but that Pete Zoranovich, I think he shanked the field goal, and that was one of the most devastating things I've ever witnessed in my life. So I, I just hope that someday, whether it's this year or another year from now, that the uh, Miami Dolphins do win that Super Bowl and we can all just rejoice and, and look back and just think, uh, hell yeah, go Dolphins. ESPN 30 for 30. What if I told you the Dolphins lost their starting quarterback in training camp, played 16 weeks in a row and had their home opener ravaged by Hurricane Irma? That would be a great ESPN 30 for 30. <laughs> I'd watch it. All right. We did get a last-minute caller. Let's bring him in, him or her on the line right now. Who are you? What is your name? And what would you like to talk about? Hello. Hey, this is Welding calling from Texas. Hey, Welding. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. What can we do for you? Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the entire division that uh, you have there, um, is anybody there ever going to be able to compete with the Patriots? I mean, right now it looks like there's a whole lot of weak teams, and the only one that uh, possibly could uh, challenge them is Miami. 
Yeah. No, you're right, man. I mean, listen. But it's cyclical, right? And I'm going to put you on mute because that's what we do here when you call it. I know. I think you're a first-time caller, right? Yes, I am. All right. So thank you for listening, first of all. Thank you for calling in. We're going to put you on mute. We're going to keep you on online. We're going to put you on mute, though, and then you can hear us talk and answer your question. But you're right. Um, it's cyclical, though, because remember when the Bills were so dominant? And even the Dolphins were dominant when Don Shula was here, and, and then no one could catch them. The Dolphins made the playoffs, I don't know how many years in a row. And now it's the Patriots' turn to kind of jump on this train here. It's frustrating as hell because if you take the Dolphins, right, and when the NFL restructured years ago, they asked the Dolphins to move to the AFC South, and the Dolphins said no because they wanted to keep the rivals with the Patriots, Jets, and Bills. So they stayed in the AFC East. But they wanted the Dolphins to go to the South. They wanted the Colts to go to the East, and they wanted it to be the Dolphins, Titans, Jaguars, and the Texans. In the AFC South, they wanted the Colts, Jets, Patriots, and Bills to be in the AFC East. You look at these Dolphins teams, even with Joe Philbin, when he was one game away from the playoffs, who knows how different history would have been for the Dolphins had they not stayed in the East. And we could all always kick ourselves about that. I mean, the AFC South has been dreadful for the past few years, and it does seem that the Titans are getting on the right track. The Texans are coming back to life. So, so it is getting more competitive. But, man, the Patriots are just so damn good, right? And I hate to say that. But, but they are. And it's kind of just waiting for Brady to leave, Brady and Belichick to leave. And I think, you know, the Dolphins will continue to chase them. The Bills don't have any shot this year or next. The Jets don't have any shot this year or next. The Dolphins, man, you know, you think that Ryan Tannehill is taking that next step this year and they have a shot. Ryan Tannehill gets injured. So even if Jay Cutler leads them this year to the playoffs or whatever, Jay Cutler may not be here next year. So then it's like, okay, can Tannehill come back and do it? Or do they draft another quarterback? So, so you're right. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a game. It's a waiting game. It's kind of a frustrating thing to talk about, but it is what it is. All right, man. We, again, thank you for calling. We're going to hang up now, but thank you for calling Finn Radio. Great question. Uh, we always like talking about that one because there's a lot of history behind it. But, yeah, he's, he's right. It's frustrating. It's, you know, it is what it is. Very yeah, I mean, but on, on the flip side of that, you have to look at the stranglehold that the Patriots have had and that we've endured the majority of it. We don't know yeah. exactly what the percentage is, but we've endured most of it. And we know once that cookie crumbles, so to speak, then the whole – landscape of the AFC is going to be completely different and completely wide open in my opinion because you're going to have Roethlisberger retiring soon you're going to have Rivers retiring soon you're going to have um, you know depending on what how Patrick Mahomes de- uh, develops with the Chiefs you don't know if they're going to last you don't know if you know Carr is going to develop in Oakland and what else, you know, what other strong teams do you see out there in the AFC? So it's going to be completely wide open for everybody, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity for a team with a great head coach and young talent with starting experience, um, have gone through adversity like we have this year. Um, that's, a, that's a great momentum builder going forward. All right. I agree, Sian. I certainly agree. And we're going to sit there on Sunday. We're going to watch NFL football. We're going to watch our fantasy football teams kick some butt. 
But we're also going to be thinking of everyone in southern Florida and in the track of the hurricane below Florida and just pray that everything works out. Let's pray the hurricane takes a twist to the east, goes out to sea, and the impact in south Florida and other places in the, in the nation are minimal at best. It's, it's not a good situation. It's a scary situation. And it seems like every advisory that comes out, it gets worse and worse. But let's just pray. Let's just hope. And just stay in touch on Twitter and everywhere else. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So we'll be back. And, and if you saw, we're back here on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. We are moving to Wednesdays. Reason being is because the Dolphins released their media guide for the upcoming week on Wednesday mornings. We'll be able to bring you more information. We'll be able to pull clips and press conferences like we did tonight. We'll be able to lead into things, get you uh, words straight from the coaches and players' mouths. We'll be able to provide you all the information that you need. One thing I did not announce that, uh, that I completely forgot about because of the hurricane and everything else, we do have an exclusive partnership now with PFF, Pro Football Focus. We will be giving you exclusive stats, grades, rankings, and more each and every week here on Finside Radio. So please be sure to tune in so you can listen to all the uh, exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. So we're really excited about that. We are moving up and onwards. Year two of Sutton Houts and MC Money. It's going to be a great freaking season. Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you're with us each and every week. We do thank you for joining us this week on Finside Radio. If you're in Florida, stay safe, stay prepared, and stay in touch. Thank you for listening uh, to Finside Radio. We'll see you next time. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts check it out most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like google meta and apple but some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person when you're working on your own i think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment you don't have to have permission from someone else there's no red tape in the vergecast series solo acts We'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? 
Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our solo acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.